Welcome to the Authentic Love Podcast, where we address your questions about relationships in the church. So settle in and get ready for an open discussion based off of true experiences. It's going to be real. It's going to be raw. It's going to be redemptive. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Love. I'm your host, Hannah, and I have two special guests in the studio with me today, Kimberly and Andrew Gal. Hello. Hello. Well, hey there. Um, Andrew is one, is the worship arts pastor here at Harvest City, and Kim works at the school, right? Yes. Yeah. I work for the school about 16-ish hours a week, and then I work for the church doing social media and communications. Wonderful. About eight hours-ish, something like that. Wonderful. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's not what she gets paid to do, but she also preaches probably yes. a couple times a year. Mm-hmm at yes. our church so mm-hmm. yeah and does a great job at it <laughs> thank you <laughs> you're welcome uh, so before we do dive into today's episode which is going to be a story time with andrew and kim why don't you guys just give us like a little snippet about who you guys are well a big part of who we are is parents and we have three daughters mm-hmm. and um we got married young which you'll find out in the story and we <laughs> had children young and so now we get to be at this stage of our life still really young, which is uh, <laughs> our oldest is in university. And Wonderful. so she is 19, Azriella. And then we have Matea, who is 16. Uh, she's in grade 11. And our youngest is high school this year. Alexis wow. is grade 9. And so we moved to... Regina about nine and a half years ago and our youngest was in kindergarten and has so it, has it really been that long because I was yeah. here when you guys came which means that I've been at Harvest City longer than I thought there you go yeah yeah, yeah. 2014 wow. is the first and actually it's been 10 years since we knew we were moving here so okay yeah wow. it's been a long time yeah. Uh, so yeah parent or parents would be a big part um, we we really, uh, I think a big part of our calling is to disciple our kids, uh, even as a part of ministry and seeing them as a part of what God has called us to. Mm-hmm. And so that, that would be a big part of who we are. Um, yeah, people would know us, as we've just mentioned, working at the church and things yep. like that. But uh, another big part of who we are is ministry that we do outside of the church, which we've been doing uh, since we were married, and it's it's changed in the different seasons, but speaking at different conferences, speaking at churches together, uh, we love to tag team preach, which we don't get to do too often here at church, but we'll actually uh, preach and go back and forth. Oh, and, cool. Uh, so, yeah, we love doing that. And, um, yeah, we, we have a real passion for the church, uh, mm-hmm. not just our local church, but for the Big C Church, the Church Abroad, and mm-hmm. really wanting to see the Church of Christ raised up to be the glorious bride of Christ that God's called them to be. So that would be another big part of who we are. Uh, aside from spirituality, we uh, we love being on the water. Mm-hmm. Or in the mountains, yeah. on, a, on a beach. <laughs> not a lot of mountains or beaches here in Saskatchewan, nope. unfortunately. <laughs> no, but nope, definitely not. <laughs> And the water is its own unique flavor mm-hmm, of water mm-hmm. here in Saskatchewan. So yeah, it's good. I'm from Edmonton, so I'm used to Jasper, Banff. Like yeah. we were very close to that, and Saskatchewan. I'm like, that's a really nice hill over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've noticed since moving here that there's a number of places that have the word mountain in it, <laughs> and <laughs> so both Saskatchewan and Manitoba. You know, so there's like. Riding Mountain National Park mm-hmm. close to Regina is Last Mountain Lake. Uh, and there's just uh, a whole ton of places with mountain. And my theory is that they realized how good Banff and Jasper were doing. And they knew <laughs> that one day people would be Googling. And so they named all these things they mountains. Way back yeah, then. way back then. <laughs> so they named all these things to try and get more tourists here that were Googling mountain. I love it. That's a great theory. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you. I think that we've been trying to get this podcast in the books for almost a year. So I'm really excited that um, it finally worked out and we're able to have you here. So as I mentioned earlier, it's going to be a story time. So you guys really just get to tell your story and I'll interject with questions or or thoughts. And so you kind of had alluded to at the beginning that you guys got married young. 
So before you got married and when you guys met, like, why don't we start there? Or like, if you even dated before you guys met, I don't know. Because I don't know what we got married young means. Well, we didn't date before we met. I know um, people meet in different ways now, but we Mm -hmm. met first and then we started dating. (laughs) (laughs) My gosh. (laughs) (laughs) What a dad joke. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Love it. We uh, met when we were 14. Okay. So we met young. Um, my family lived in Ontario at the time. Andrew's family lived in Calgary. And so my family was at a summer camp as the kids, like, traveling evangelists. And so we were doing all of the kids' ministry and kids' camp, and Andrew was there as a counselor mm-hmm. and kind of befriended us and knew what it was like to travel and ministry and be at different places. So was just friendly, got to know him. So we were just 14, and I remember watching him play with the kids on the playground of his, like, cabin mm-hmm. kids and just being impressed with just who he was and how he was just getting in there with the kids and just loving on them. And, yeah, but then I lived in Ontario still. But two years later, when I just before my 16th birthday, my family um, ended up moving to Calgary. Okay. And at that time, I didn't actually even know – that that's where Andrew lived but I remember my cousin being like well maybe you'll meet Andrew out there (laughs) and so um we actually our home in Ontario our our family's home didn't sell right away so um we ended up living and Andrew's family had a basement suite in their house and so my mom and my sister and I while my dad was still in Ontario till our house sold we lived in the basement of his house Okay. Anyway. So did you guys keep in contact? Like you met at 14, you moved there at 16. Was there contact in between that? No. Well, there was the next summer. We were at the same camp again. So Mm -hmm. he was there as camp counselor again the second summer. And so, and we we kind of got to know each other a tiny bit, but not not significantly. Yeah. And at 14, I was, I was thinking about music. I wasn't thinking mm-hmm. about girls at all. <laughs> and, uh, you and might be the so only 14 year old who wasn't. I probably was. Yeah. So, um, but then I was 16 when she moved to Calgary and I still remember her family being introduced as the new children's pastor's family. And I was in the balcony of our church. I, mm-hmm. al- I pretty much remember exactly where I was sitting and her family stood and so between those two years something changed because Mm -hmm. when i saw her stand i was like hello (laughs) and um and so then after the service i went down to you know to say hi remember me and i totally forgot her name which uh Mm -hmm. was a foreshadowing of things to come because i just forget (laughs) names all the time and forget (laughs) lots of things so but she remembered my name and it started out just as a friendship, although mm-hmm. I think we both had this sense of like, oh, that person uh, is sparks something inside of me. Um, we both also just we weren't really into the dating scene per mm-hmm. se. I think we grew up f- uh, with really healthy family environments where there was a, a sense of affirmation. And it's not that it was a perfect family, but I don't think we were really you know, craving that love mm. from someone. Yeah. We we wanted to save ourselves. We wanted, so even at 16, we knew this is what we want, you know, and, and I didn't want to date just for the sake of having a girlfriend. Right. I wanted to know that this was someone that, you know, I would potentially marry. And so we were friends forever, especially <laughs> when you're 16. So we met yeah. in October of um of 2016 no sorry of (laughs) 1996 that's what it was yeah i never remember how old i am these days so yeah numbers don't stick yeah october of 1996 Mm -hmm. fast forward uh we had like a major kind of revival thing that fall at Mm -hmm. our church um hundreds of people were getting saved and we were involved in ministry in that and praying as you know like the ministry team praying together and just mm-hmm. seeing even Kimberly pray with passion and stuff just it sounds crazy but that was attractive to me I was like For man sure. this girl knows how to pray yeah and so we just began to grow that friendship and so uh New Year's Eve youth party it's like the all-nighter at church and I felt like this was the moment <laughs> that I was gonna let her know how I felt mm-hmm. you know um it 
it, for better or for worse, I wasn't. I I kind of figured maybe there was mutual feelings, but I didn't really know. But I was like, <laughs> so I'm you just weren't worried that there was up. like a friend zone going on? Because when you say like we were friends for a really long time, I always go to like, oh crap, did you feel like there was a friend oh. zone? Well, I I say it tongue in cheek for a really long time because <laughs> fast forward and we were dating that April. Um, but at 16, that felt like forever. Like, Fair. And to our friends, it felt like just date already. Yeah, like, you know you like each other. Why aren't you dating? And we're like, we're gotcha. just waiting. Yeah, so on New Year's Eve, he thought he laid it out to me oh, telling like, me like I – I, I thought I told her, like, you are special. You are different than all the other girls, and I'm really interested in you, and I would like to see, you know, where this relationship goes. And so I left after talking to her, feeling like the weight of the world was off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. I'm like, now she knows, and whatever happens will happen, but at least I, like, I had the strength mm-hmm. to tell her. And so I went away feeling great. You, did I you leave left. without a response? Pretty much. I, I, <laughs> yeah, at well, 16, like, it was just to kind of bleh, verbally, like, throw up. And then I was like, my job's done. I'm out of here. <laughs> and I walked away going to my friend being like, no, he really does not like me. And she was like, yes, he does. Like, Jessica, this is what he just said to me. He said that I am like his sister and that um, his sister's a special relationship and I am a special relationship like his sister and she was like, oh, Ooh, I'm so yeah. sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, I was like, I, I'm awkward around girls. I don't know how to, you know, and I just don't relate or connect. But my sister was like my closest friend. Mm-hmm. And I could tell her anything. And there was just a very close bond to my sister. And so I was trying to tell her, like, you're like no other girl. And, you know, so over the last 25 years, I've gotten a little better. (laughs) I'm still I've got a ways to go in communication, but Mm -hmm. I think we figured a few things out since that night. (laughs) Yeah. So he thought the weight of the world was I knew exactly how he felt. And I left being like, yeah, there's nothing happening here. No. So it took us another few weeks to actually (laughs) reconnect the wires and and figure out what was actually going on. So April the 19th, Mm -hmm. uh, 1997 is when I asked Kimberly if she would be my girlfriend. (laughs) And so we were going to the same high school Mm -hmm. and I would walk her home and there was this big rock in the middle of a park that we would walk past. And so... One night I told her, hey, let's... Like a boulder. Yeah, like a big... That you could climb and sit on top Mm -hmm. of. It would be like bigger than this room. Oh, wow. And uh, and so I told her, let's meet at the rock. And so when she got there, I had all these candles set up. Oh, my goodness. Very romantic for a 17, 16-year-old. It's like a proposal. Yeah. (laughs) And there were people in like the house next to the boulder that literally were just like standing out their kitchen or looking out their kitchen window (laughs) watching us. And uh, and so I think definitely I am a romantic. Mm-hmm. And so I I loved being able to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I was also grew up really guarded and scared of intimacy and emotional intimacy and any type of intimacy. Mm-hmm. More so because I'm like, I got to be careful until I get married, you know, and all yeah. these type of things. But I I was like way over, you know, more than I needed to be. And and so I think our dating relationship, I wasn't really the best boyfriend. Uh, it's the grace of God <laughs> that uh, we ended up dating for five years oh, because wow. I, we went through college and I just knew intuitively, I think, and maybe God's grace. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be very good as a husband until I'm done college. Uh, I'm not good at multitasking or stuff like that. And so I think that was the right choice. But it ended up being a really long dating relationship. Yeah. Uh, so that had its own challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So yeah. what was that like? Because obviously it wasn't like like you knew sooner than the five years that you wanted to get married. But you chose to wait longer mm-hmm. probably uh, yeah. because of college. So how was that? Long. <laughs> and I don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think for me, I was like, why are we waiting so long? <laughs> what are we <laughs> doing? Um, but for Andrew, it was like, no, I want to mm-hmm. I want to wait till we're done. I want to be a bit more 
secure financially. I want to not, um, not that that really happened, but <laughs> sorry. No, but I was also like eating college leftovers for a number of years mm. and like learning, learning life stuff out. Like, so we were pretty young. So mm-hmm. we got, we got married at 21. Okay. But yeah. we had dated for five years. So mm-hmm. it, it was still young, but we also had friends that got married like the, the, months after they graduated high school yeah and so yeah yeah like that was it was it was a process um but even in high school we were having conversations where again i would be like grilling kimberly like ministry stuff and i'd be like would you live on a bus if we traveled in a bus would you live on a bus god asked us to i would say yes but i would need to know that that was for sure where god was leading (laughs) us great answer (laughs) so we had we had a lot of interesting conversations even dating and Mm -hmm. i would say i would say by the time we graduated high school i think we both knew like this was the person i i would like to marry um I think even through that, there was still times of discovering and, mm-hmm. and growing together. But I think we knew early on. So it was definitely a, a process. Uh, we lived in the same city for a couple of years mm-hmm. in college, but then we also lived in different cities for two years. Okay. The last year being while we were engaged. Oh, that's rough. And it was. <laughs> it was. Yeah. And that was before FaceTime or like video messaging. Yeah. So there was yeah. a lot of fights that probably didn't need to be fights because you couldn't see the person's right. reaction and learning to communicate and so we got a lot out of the way before <laughs> we got married so the first year was great yeah it's it's amazing it's what goes on in your head when you're on the phone and you know someone's upset at you mm-hmm. and they're quiet and they don't yeah. say anything and you know they're processing they're trying to like figure out and so we weren't really ones to just hang up on each other when we were upset. It was like, okay, let's let's work this out. Let's figure this out. Let's do the mm-hmm. painful stuff now. But again, with that quietness in your head, you're like, okay, is she thinking this? Is she thinking this? And then you start responding to things I think she's thinking, but she's not thinking. Mm. And yeah, it got messy. But A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm. so so that was the start of it, and and then um, the last summer before, like, so I had one more year of college. I yep. proposed, and you moved back to Calgary to work. I was in Edmonton, and um, and so I was in Bible college. Okay. People people always asked me throughout Bible college, "Are you going to be a music pastor?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> I am not." And not that I was bitter <laughs> against it or anything, but yeah. I just didn't feel. Like that's what God was calling me to. I thought okay. I'd be more traveling mm-hmm. and doing what we call like itinerant ministry where you've got a lot of different churches mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So that's kind of what I envisioned. And then in the last month of college, I had a pastor ask if we would move to their little town and, and pastor as music and children's pastors. And long story short, we felt like that's what God had for us. Even though I told the board, I'm like, I don't, think I want to be a pastor and I don't really like kids ministry um (laughs) but you're (laughs) high yeah it did not detour them and so we're like okay and so we we got married and we I was already pastoring and we we like dove right into being pastors um and that that presented its own challenges for sure yeah yeah especially if you move to a small town I'm assuming like distance from people that you know and relationships are really just the two of you yeah and there weren't very many younger couples Mm. or younger people at the church so we also our friends were the senior citizens and they would take us out for lunch (laughs) with them every sunday so we would go to like the 65 plus buffet (laughs) with this group of eight senior citizens from our church that just kind of adopted us and Mm -hmm. they were great they were hilarious um but yeah, those it, it was just very different dynamics for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was 2021 that we got married. I keep saying 20. <laughs> no. Why am I like stuck <laughs> I in this like decade? <laughs> I thought we got married in 2022. 
That would be last year. <laughs> see, no, we keep saying 2002. Right? Yes, <laughs> we got married in 2002. Is when we got I married. Said when. Right? I was, I well, I said like 2020. Really long dating. No. <laughs> yeah. So 2002 is when we got married. So okay. we have just celebrated 21 years. Wow. Congratulations. So yeah, basically we have been married for most of our lives now, right. and so yeah, it's not being married feels like a different lifetime. Uh, yeah, in a, for in sure. A lot of cases, and so yeah, it's been it's been growing. Um, it's in, I was thinking about this podcast actually, mm-hmm. and thinking about in a way I'm like I don't I don't know if I have a whole bunch to relate sometimes because we started dating so young mm-hmm. and even being in college I was actually so thankful that I already had a girlfriend and someone that I really loved and cared for, for sure. because I didn't have to go through all of that dating stuff you know and like so when we started dating it wasn't even like i was looking for a girl right it was like i found what i Mm -hmm. wasn't even looking for but it was what i was looking for Mm -hmm. um and so i didn't go through that you know um his parents told me multiple times like we were really really praying for a really good friend for andrew we just didn't think he'd bring a girl. <laughs> <laughs> you, you weren't what we were expecting. Yeah. Right. But, uh, yeah. yeah. And and so I feel like, you know, not that I've missed out at all, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's as far as what it's like to be in your 20s mm-hmm. and, and single, we were married at 21, right. you know, and what it's like to be in your 30s. We were, we basically had our third kid before... We were 30. So we were done having kids. I think Alexa, I was 29. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we already had like, yeah, three <laughs> kids before our 30s. And and so, yeah, now in Which our is, 40s, we mm-hmm. we leave the house and we don't have babysitters because our, yeah. like, and we went to Winnipeg a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and w- there was nobody there, just our kids at the house. Yeah. And so it's just, Mm-hmm. It feels so, you know, I was like, boy, I just, I, I don't know if I can relate to what that's like. And yeah. yet I think there's still a lot that we can relate. But at the surface, yeah. sometimes it feels like, for sure. yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what yeah. it would be like. For sure. And I mean, like when you're like, we've had three, we had three kids before we're 30. I'm like, I'm over 30 and I don't know that I could keep another human alive. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, that seems like such a responsibility. So young. <laughs> but people do it all the time. Yeah, well, and the great thing is with kids, and I think this would be the same thing with relationships, is like we didn't start out as, if you want to say professional parents or experienced Mm -hmm. parents. Like we started to learn how to become parents um, when we had kids. Right. And there's these books and they're titled What to Expect When You're Expecting, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as being pregnant. And so you read through it and it, and it's kind of a, you know, a, a silly title to me because mm-hmm. in the end you realize, I don't know what to expect. <laughs> like, you know, and so people mm-hmm. would be like, are you, are you ready to be a dad? And I'm like, I have no idea because <laughs> I've never been one, you know, yeah. I, I think I might be ready. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing in, in relationships and For even sure. looking back at our relationship and yeah, we were definitely young and there is a part of me a big part of me that was very immature and part mm-hmm. of part of it is that I hadn't grown my frontal lobes in my <laughs> brain yet and yeah. so you know I think those helped in relationship mm-hmm. just having frontal lobes um, <laughs> helped me a lot um, but the fact is we grew together right um, yeah. and and when actually I remember very distinctly um, I had a piano teacher that um, questioned how us getting married so young and she's Mm. like you don't even know who you are yeah you know how how do you know this is the right person when Mm -hmm. you don't even know who you are Mm -hmm. and even at that age like it seemed very clear to me I'm like well I don't want to have to figure out who I am and Mm -hmm. then figure it all out again yeah when I marry this person because I know what's going to change um and so all of that to say I think in relationships you you don't have to be the perfect husband, the perfect wife. When you start entering into a relationship, you grow into that. Yeah. You know, and uh, even 
21 years into it, we're still growing. Uh, we did marriage counseling this past year for um, for people in our church, Caleb and Jillian. Mm-hmm. And going through it, at the end, we would be talking and being <laughs> like, oh, man, yeah, we got to do that part again. Like, we need this we in our relationship. We grow there again. We've, we've forgotten some of these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you grow as parents, you know, so whether you're 24 like we were (laughs) when you have kids or whether you're 34, you're still starting at the same place Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you're going to grow into that. And Mm -hmm. in relationships, I think maybe one of the challenges, if I would be as bold to make an assumption, is when you're in your 20s or your 30s, there's this assumption of, you know, I have a profession, I might own my own house, I... I am established as a person, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I should be established as someone that can be in relationship. I should have it all together because Mm -hmm. I have my job life together. My career is established. And Mm -hmm. so now I uh, I have someone that I want to begin this relationship with and it should be like my career. I should be established. But it's not. You're you're starting out, Mm -hmm. you know, it's brand new. And and so I would. That would be one assumption. I, I would say that you're right. Speaking of, like, that's probably how I feel a lot of the times, too. Where I'm like, yeah, I have all these things together. So, like, if I'm in a relationship, I'm going to be more mature. I'm going to have it more together at the beginning, right? But it's the beginning. And it's a dip for me, it's a different person than someone I've dated before. So, it yeah. can't be a repeatable, it's not a repeatable process. Yeah. And I think, like, oh, yeah, we can just do the same things. But it's an entirely different person that you're learning about and you're trying to grow with yeah. than before. And I think for us, even being young, some things we knew, we, we knew our values. We, um, and we had really solid boundaries mm-hmm. of knowing, okay, this is really important to us. So as we're dating, and if it's going to be this long, if we're going to arrive at the end, um, then these are things that we're going to have to put in place. Um, so I think those were things we knew even when we were young. This is the mm-hmm. kind of person, I, for Andrew, the kind of person I'm looking for is somebody who would be willing to live on a bus if <laughs> we need to, if that's where God's calling us, that she would mm-hmm. do that. Um, and I knew I wanted somebody who was a man of integrity, who really, really loved the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see how he treated his his family and his mom and his um, what what he was like in those situations. And so values of what we were looking for, I think were already strong, even though we were young. Mm-hmm. Some of those values of what we wanted in a relationship were, were pretty solid. And then even, um, even in things of, okay, dating for five years is a long time, especially if for us it was really important that we, um, we remained sexually pure yeah. until we were married. So five years of dating somebody is a long time mm-hmm. to, to do that as you're growing together, as you're loving, like loving somebody. So I think those were things we learned that I think would be important for a relationship of boundaries of we, we weren't in a house alone. So if nobody was home, we would call our parents. Are you, are you going to be around soon? No. Okay. Well, we're just going to go to Tim Hortons mm-hmm. or we're going to like, sit in our car under the street light <laughs> and like <laughs> just just kind of hang out and talk yeah. and just um but just things that we put in place to to just help make it that long yeah and i, I don't think I don't it know was if that makes sense but no it does sure. it wasn't legalism in the mm-hmm. sense of um you know like oh if if we watch a movie home alone together we're sinning mm-hmm. it was more of an awareness of our our strong pull towards mm-hmm. each other and we were very aware that there was a sex drive and mm-hmm. that yeah. um and that if we weren't careful um it would be easy to um unintentionally get into a compromising situation where we knew we probably didn't have the discipline to say no mm-hmm. um or we just didn't know if we did and yeah. and so i think we so valued that purity that um, and and it wasn't a matter of not sinning; it was a matter of receiving a promise. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. we knew that purity led to a promise in our marriage that um, we we couldn't we couldn't access that um, if we gave that away. 
Right. Yeah. And and even if it was giving it away to each other, I think we just had people that spoke into our lives and stuff. But we, so we were we were very very guarded. In the, in the same way, if if you have like a five hundred dollar car, uh, and the stereo doesn't work and the seats are ripped and all of that, you're probably not very motivated to lock it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can drive somewhere and you can leave it unlocked, whatever, right? Um, but if you buy an $80,000 car, right, and it has a really nice sound system in it and it has all these different things, you're going to make sure not only is it locked, but it has an alarm system. Even where you park it, you're probably going to be like one of those people that parks at the end of the parking <laughs> lot. Yeah. You don't want people to scratch it. Like, you know that what you have is so valuable. Mm-hmm. You will go to um, extra length to guard it. And I think that was something that we really knew in our relationship that sexually it wasn't a matter of sinning and uh, although i do believe that there is this aspect of sin the heart of god and the heart of the bible isn't to be like hey there's something that's really good but no (laughs) you know um, it was so much more a matter of god saying i know how i've designed you Mm -hmm. and i have this treasure for you yeah, you know, uh, I have something that is of very, very, you know, a lot of worth, um, but it can easily be stolen. And yeah. I would say even more so today mm-hmm. than when we were dating in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> we were dating in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I think it's our, our culture has become even more yeah. sexualized. And so, um, again, when when we change the lens of it being right and wrong, sin and, you know, damnation and all of these things, and when we put on the, the lens of this, this immense treasure that can so easily be stolen, mm-hmm. um, then all of a sudden it's something that's worth protecting. And, uh, and so, yeah, we could go on and on about that, but I think <laughs> no, that I probably Thank you. answers that part. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. Yeah, Thanks that. for sharing that. I, I think probably the other thing we did is we had um, we had really meaningful conversations. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why, and and honestly, I think part of it was maybe naivety, but I I wasn't afraid of like Kimberly losing Kimberly. Mm. Um, and looking back, I'm like, I should have been way more afraid because <laughs> the the way I was as a boyfriend, I'm like, oh man, like it. So was the grace of God that she did not <laughs> dump me. She would like write me these beautiful letters while I was at college, Aww. and they would be like, they would come in like these big envelopes, um, and it would have all this stuff in it. And it was just amazing, and it would just make you feel like the most amazing person in the world. And out of four years of college, I think I sent her none. <laughs> would that be fair? Did I ever mail you? you? You might have sent one or two, which in four years is not, not a lot. No. A lot. <laughs> I also didn't have a cell phone or oh. anything like that. So I would maybe call you once a month. Would that be fair? Like, I'm not trying to make it sound really bad. Well, we but talked more than that for sure, but... But me initiating, like me, okay, I was like, me yeah. setting aside everything that I was doing at college and ministry and stuff like that mm-hmm. and actually picking up the phone and saying, hey, I was just calling to say hi. I think it was more than once a month for sure. Okay. But it should have been like every day. <laughs> it, was, I, it was maybe <laughs> once a week, once every two weeks of, um, yeah. yeah. But we talked a lot more and I would, I would call you a lot. Um, and I think part of it was your family <laughs> and yeah. um, just the way they operate a little bit. And um, there would also be times where I would call and his mom would pick up and be like, yeah, he's got a test tomorrow. He can't talk today. <laughs> and I wouldn't even know. So oh my God. I would have been upset if I had known. But. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. So all of that to say, I getting back to the main part of, mm-hmm. I, d- I don't think I had this thought of like, oh, I could lose her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would have some pretty, not always heated discussions, but pretty raw and honest discussions of what we expected in life and mm. those type of things. And again, if I were to imagine and put myself in someone's shoes that maybe is, you know, isn't in a, 
a relationship uh, or that that lasts or they go through multiple relationships mm -hmm. and now they're in their 20s or their 30s there's more of this fear of like okay i have someone and mm -hmm. i like them and they like me i don't want to mess this up mm -hmm. but what it creates is this false you know sense of security of mm -hmm. like not actually being really open and, and raw mm -hmm. and and you know i think there's balance to that um I wouldn't encourage people to be <laughs> the type of boyfriend I was. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, how do you how do you have those raw conversations without this fear of, well, if I push too hard, this person's just going to dump me. Mm -hmm. If I'm too if I if I show them everything of who I am, mm -hmm. they're just going to turn and run. Mm -hmm. And yet, if we don't have that vulnerability before marriage, uh, to a level, yeah. I think there's wisdom in that, mm -hmm. but it can, I, I think it can either damage the marriage or it can actually, you know, inhibit just even the closeness of the relationship before marriage. Yeah. Would that be fair? Yeah I, yeah, I would agree. I mean, um, as someone who's had m multiple relationships, there is this like figuring out of like when am I in the safety zone mm. like yeah. when I when am I at a place where I can like drop more of my guard because the last time I dropped it this much and that was like even if it wasn't you that was the breaking point it always feels like there was something about you yeah and in, intuitively that like was the breaking point and they didn't want me because of this so like I have to be really careful next time not to show that juicy and almost like fall in love with me and then like let's unpack it which isn't like the best way to approach it either and so there definitely is that's like amazing like I wasn't afraid of losing her I'm like wow that's a really great feeling <laughs> yeah yeah and again I would say some of it was naivety um but yeah there was there was just this sense of like she's serious about this mm -hmm. I'm serious and if if she's gonna be with me she's gonna have to know who I am you know and and uh but yeah I and I think just even to speak into that, that's where um, our relationship with God is so key um, mm -hmm. because it says, you know, in James 1, whoever lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives freely. If anybody wants us to have a really good marriage and a good relationship, it's God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and what I know of God is that he's he's not this like – mean-spirited or kind of teasing type of God or, you know, withholding information to just be like, well, you don't, you haven't earned me giving <laughs> you wisdom yet or stuff like that. He mm -hmm. said, if we ask, we receive, Yeah, you know, and so how much more in, in something that's so important, like our relationships, do we say, okay, God, you know, can I share this with this person? And then taking that risk mm -hmm. um, and, and it's interesting, even on this side of marriage, there's still risk, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it, it's not risk in the sense of I'm afraid Kimberly's going to divorce me. Right. But, you know, I've had to learn, and probably I've had to learn more than you, to actually be real about how I'm feeling when it's negative. Mm -hmm. um, it's my default is just to not say anything and to just fix it in my own head. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that what I'm feeling isn't right. And so I'm just going to fix it. And then right. I don't have to talk about it. Right. But what mm -hmm. that ends up being is this wall that I'm building. Right. And and so obviously I think it's different within that sanctity of marriage. But it's still a, a level of it applies to in a, a dating or courting type relationship where yeah, if, if we're too guarded, what, what I'm doing to try and protect myself from feeling hurt or from her thinking that I'm not so great, what I'm doing to try and protect myself is actually building a wall relationally where now we're just not connecting. Mm -hmm. and, and so how do you steward that? You yeah. know, when like like you, you've you've experienced, OK, I let the wall down and mm -hmm. here's how it ended. And, yeah. you know, I think in hindsight, if you were counseling someone else, mm -hmm. you would be like, well, they weren't the right one. <laughs> you know, they're going to love you for you. Mm -hmm. And and all we say all these nice things yeah. to others to encourage them. And they're true. 
<laughs> but when it comes to ourself, we don't say it like, you no. know, that's, <laughs> that's not a truth that we can easily accept. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, like you said, well, I did this and I did this and this. And so I'm going to, I'm going to adjust now. And, and yet that actually, I think can create more walls, even for finding that person and making that connection than it does. The, the idea would be, well, I'm helping myself, you know, in the next relationship, but mm -hmm. what you're actually doing, I think is hurting the the ability to connect in that next relationship on a deeper level for sure that's great <laughs> i and i have no i should just precursor this i have like no training or like <laughs> i am all great i things. am not marriage uh, <laughs> counselor or psychologist or anything <laughs> like that so Fair. go do your homework after <laughs> listening to this podcast no i appreciate that and i appreciate um you guys coming on and everything and so maybe we can end with um like i know you're like we dated in the 90s and now we're in 2023 but maybe just some key things that you would that don't need to change just because mm. it's not the 90s anymore like things that you're like these stand the test of time when when in a godly relationship and dating that's a great question <laughs> <laughs> you go first yeah my, my mind is still thinking. That's my nice. my superpower is I don't have a filter. My uh, <laughs> my villain. Andrew can talk about anything forever in case you <laughs> haven't noticed. And I usually <laughs> have an answer within three seconds. Wow. I don't know why, but um, yeah, that also has its own curses. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so one thing I would say is that um, love and pain are the are one and the same. Mm. Um, the and the example I would give is if you, Hannah, said, Andrew, you are such a jerk. I think you're actually a really mean person. And I, you know, I don't even like being around you. Please don't hang out with me. That would hurt. But mm -hmm. I would I would be like, OK. Um, but if Kimberly were to say that to me, that would crush me. Right. Why? Yeah. Well, because I love her a lot more than I love you. I, <laughs> again, you that's probably the non-biblical Christian thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the level of love mm -hmm. actually gives access to... So Kimberly can say much less than that. And it hurts me so deeply mm -hmm. um, because I love her so deeply. And, and so... Yeah, I, I see in 20... And sorry, you were saying things that don't change, but I, I would say in 2023, there's an even greater culture of like, we, we try to avoid pain. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we're very good at if, if something's uncomfortable, avoid it. If it's mm -hmm. painful, avoid it. And so we, we, we spend a considerable amount of time trying to stay away from pain. Mm -hmm. um, and, but love, it sounds like a, like a heartbreak uh, song or something, <laughs> you know, but, but love, part of loving is hurting. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, even in your previous relationships where you're like, I've tried, I've tried. And, you know, I had these moments, but it's just been pain and it's just been pain. And I would just say to that, that that's that's good. Mm -hmm. You know, we because it hurts, we we identify it as bad. Mm -hmm. You know, I tried this and it hurt me. And that's bad because pain is bad. And I would just say, no, that's actually good. The fact that you that when that person broke it off with you it hurt you so much that's actually a really good thing <laughs> right like mm -hmm. you want that yeah. you want it to hurt because if it doesn't hurt then what does that say about love right and how deeply you love mm -hmm. and so in and and so what happens is if we go into relationships where we're trying to avoid pain we actually and again kind of what i was saying before about building that wall when we try to avoid pain we actually cheapen the depth of love that we're we have the capacity for and so if we can learn i was wondering where you were going with that <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting it now you're getting it there okay uh that's the th that's the other part i can talk really quick but it might take me like 20 minutes to unpack <laughs> it so where kimberly will think for a while but she can say three sentences and you're like oh okay <laughs> um but yeah so i would just say um embrace the pain don't be afraid of pain don't be afraid of risk um, that's part of it. And when we look at even Jesus, he said no greater love than yeah. this, that we lay down our life for a friend. The pain that Jesus paid 
for me personally, but even the pain he went through with his 12 disciples. Mm -hmm. uh, he spent three years with this guy, or with these guys, and all 12 of, 12 of them deserted him. All 12. Mm -hmm. One of them outright betrayed him. The other one denied him to his face. Jesus was in the courtyard in earshot of hearing Peter say, in swear words, I don't know that guy. Mm. And the pain that Jesus would have gone through um, to love that deeply. Um, it, so, and it's a risk. We, you don't know. Yeah. Um, and so, and I think when you, when experience teaches us a few times, it's like, okay, I'm not going to let that happen again. Yep. And I would say, no, mm -hmm. you know, let God give it to the Lord. Let him heal you and be like, okay, I'll risk again. It's worth the pain. It's worth the risk. And I think for me, things, I'll go a totally different direction, <laughs> but things that would be the same dating in the 90s to today would be one, friendship's really important. If you mm -hmm. can't be friends with the person you're dating, it's not really worth it because you need, you need to have that friendship in a relationship and that, um, that place of camaraderie mm -hmm. and just... Um, and so that hasn't changed. Um, this today, Andrew, I still would say, is my best friend. And so there's Agreed. friendship. Hanging out with him is, it's fun. He's yeah. my favorite person to, to hang out with, to, to do that. And so I think that's also something that we've been really intentional about over the last 21 years of marriage and five years of dating before that has been pursuing friendship and dating. Um, and we've kept dating through 21 years of marriage we've we've made that a priority of just hanging out um doing things outside of the house in the house it's looked different in different seasons mm -hmm. but just just pursuing friendship um and just being really real with each other too having real conversations of where we're struggling what's bothering us um yeah and and what our goals are mm -hmm. and i think think that's maybe somewhere we could grow again right yeah. now but <laughs> yeah. um but those have been things that have i think been true throughout the yeah the whole mm. time other bullet points i would say um pursuit mm. uh that hasn't changed you have to pursue yeah. um if it's and it, it's worth pursuing relationships are worth pursuing um both um a marriage relationship but just other relationships but you have to be intentional and you have yeah. to pursue um, and so even in marriage, it probably becomes harder to pursue in marriage because you got a ring on the finger and a, this vow and this commitment. And mm -hmm. so it's like, well, you know, she's committed now, but you have to pursue and, and don't, don't go grow weary in doing good for at the proper time. You will reap a harvest, but pursue like guys, pursue girls. Um, they, they want <laughs> to feel pursued. Um, and and girls, I would say, like, help them out, you yes. know. Uh, yeah, we have know. a role to play. Yeah, <laughs> and um, but pursuing that is so worth it. And, and um, you know, if you've, if you've tried the pursuit and it hasn't worked out multiple times, as much as it just feels like there's something wrong with me, there's, you know, there's long list, I mm -hmm. would just say I reject that. That's not true. Uh, that is not the story. Uh, that's not what God's saying. Like, keep pursuing, keep risking. Uh, the other bullet point would be sexual purity. Uh, it, like I said, it is such a treasure. It is not. Uh, it is not this thing, this carrot that God dangles to see if we're good enough Christians mm -hmm. or not. Like, if you're a good enough Christian, you can say no to sex, and um, you know, and that's that's not it at all. He created this. He created sex, and he created it to flourish in marriage. And anything outside of that is, is a distortion of what God's created. And just like Eve eating the apple, it seemed like such a harmless thing. Mm -hmm. um, and yet it, it so destroyed a relationship. Yeah. Um, sex, that, that is, it, it's, it's this treasure in marriage. And, uh, and for those that haven't kept themselves, um, I would just encourage them. That's the beauty of the cross. Um, mm -hmm. But you have to 
you have to repent, which means you change your mind and you live differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's such a treasure, and the world has we've we've minimized it. Um, even within the church to an extent, we've minimized it to this, you know, kind of um, legalistic thing. Yeah. And, and, and in some churches or some Christian circles, it's become this optional type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, like, do, do you really have to read your Bible every day? Well, you know, it's good, but you don't have to. Do you really have to save yourself before marriage? Well, it's good, but you don't really have to, <laughs> yeah. right? And mm-hmm. it's like, no, guys, there's this treasure, mm-hmm. and it's so worth it. It's, But it's hard. And mm-hmm. even for us for five years, it was hard. And we had to do things that uh, seemed, for some people, they were just like, what is your problem? Like the fact that we wouldn't, be at each other's house alone like and even as adults you know and even in college like because Kimberly had her own basement apartment and Mm. things like that and so I think some people thought that either we were being really legalistic or Mm -hmm. you know that we're just like really weird but we were just so convinced that it was worth it and we're also so convinced that we're not superhuman and so Mm -hmm. if we put ourselves in a compromising position there's a risk there's such a thing about sexuality of two becoming one and the bible really talks about that and then i remember even reading a harvard study that they did that that tested dna of different women who had Mm -hmm. been with different sexual partners and they had a part of the dna of every person they had sexually been with in their in their blood and it just so struck me that even when scripture talks about two becoming one there is a oneness that happens that is so valuable and precious and so I think that's still worth worth keeping and it's worth mm-hmm. it's worth the beauty of it within the way God intended it to be. It's yeah. Mm. And the last thing I'd say is it's still possible. Um it is not um these the the relationship that we see between a husband and a wife in the Bible is still fully accessible mm-hmm. today. I think some people might feel like it's this fairy tale or it's a thing of the past. Um, And that's something that's still the same today is you can have an amazing relationship. You can get married in your 30s. You can get married in your 40s. You can and you can find this person that you will spend the rest of your life enjoying. Mm -hmm. and, And it is possible. And I think if anything, I just give people hope that like you can find that it's still there uh it's it's not gone it hasn't been destroyed um our culture has definitely done everything they can (laughs) to tear down what we would call a sacred institution you know Mm -hmm. would be an old school like uh churchy term but it's this sacred institution it still exists it's still possible and it's still worth it it's so worth it Mm. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for coming. It's been great having you. We'll definitely have to have you back sometime. And uh, for everyone who's listening, thanks for tuning in. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at Authentic Love Podcast. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you want to hear about, your thoughts on the episode. It's always great to get feedback. And we'll see you guys next month. Bye. Thank you for listening with us today. A huge thank you goes to Harvest City Church for letting us record in their studio. We release new episodes every month, so make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Authentic Love Podcast, where you can be a part of our next conversation. See you next time.